Amen. All right, you ready to go to James? Let's get to James. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. We're going to make a, a, a turn from chapter 1 into chapter 2. James, everyday believer stuff. We're going to be in message number 4. We're going to talk about the royal law. So we're going through chapter 1, we've, we've been through about three messages in chapter 1. Uh, James is urging us to, to become more mature Christians. And he's talking about our day-in, day-out behavior. James is all about us not just believing the right stuff. That's also a foundation stone. But when you believe the right stuff, the, the fruit of that is that you do the right stuff, right? Jesus comes in and he not only just changes our hearts, but he changes our behavior. You believe that? Yeah, he does. So James has dealt with about three things that we've, we've talked about before. Uh, to be joyful in troubles in our everyday life. That's, that's a mark of maturity in a believer, that they don't lose their joy when their circumstances change. Now, you may grieve. You, you may not like the loss, but something about the joy and the hope of Christ still remains in our hearts. So being joyful. He said, count it all what? Count it all joy when you fall into all these troubles. Then he talked about overcoming the temptations of everyday life. We've got to overcome. We, we've got help from the Holy Spirit. And then, then last week we talked about being doers of the word and not just hearers. God, God wants us to do what he says. Not just hear it, not just make an intellectual sense, not just study it, not just memorize it. But Jesus talked about it. And in fact, I didn't even hit on it last week. Um, see, y'all don't appreciate how short my sermons are. You don't appreciate that because they, they ought to be five times longer, to be honest with you. There's so much we can cover and, and talk about all the time. But we didn't even get to that parable that Jesus talked about, about the, the wise and foolish builder. Remember that? The wise and foolish builder. where This guy who, who built his house on the sand and this guy built his house on the rock. And one was wise and one was foolish. Now the idea of the building on the sand was not that he just went to the beach and just built a house. Because people do that all the time. If you've got enough money, you can build a house on the beach. This guy built his house in the floodplain. Where the sand is in Israel is, are these wadis, these, these channels of, of floodwaters is basically what they are. And, and picture us. We're in the valley. Okay? Mountains on each side. You can see where the water's been running for years and the silt has been building up, building up for years. That silt is the sand. You can see all that kind of thing. Now imagine somebody new coming to town. Imagine somebody moving from Memphis to Gilbert Town, and they say, "Well, I like that creek over there. I think that old that's a little shady little spot over there. I think I'll build my house right over there in that shady grove over there by that creek." Now, what's Bubba Carlisle going to come around and say? Say, what's wrong with you, man? You must be a fool. That's kind of what Jesus says. Bubba wouldn't say that part, but Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus said, you must be a fool because you, you ain't been around here very long because the water comes in and floods up to about this high and there goes your living room furniture right out the window. And that's, that's kind of the parable of the story. Jesus is saying, what, what, what kind of person would build their house right in the middle of a floodplain that just a matter of time, the winds, rains, and the storms are going to come and boom, the water's going to rise, the house is gone. And he said, this is like the person that hears, but doesn't do, right? The person that builds their house on the rock, see, they, they went to the high ground. They built their house on the rock, and all the winds came, still same rain, same wind, same stuff, same storm, but their house sustained because they built it on the rock. These are the ones that hear and what? Stay with James. Hear and they they do what I say. That's what Jesus said. So we talked about being doers of the word and not just hearers only. Now, today we're going to talk about how we treat people. 
James, I'm telling you, you read the book of James and it's like having a head on collision. Anybody like it? I mean, it, it, he will absolutely get your attention and he will make the hair rise up on the back of your neck and he will bring conviction to your heart because James is interested in us correcting some of the foolish things we're doing and becoming the light and salt that Jesus promised us that we need to be. All right. So how we treat other people. So regardless of people's social status, James is going to get right at it. Regardless of their social status, their economic level, their skin color, their rank or position or power or place in society, whatever may be important to this world, he says we don't calculate people's worth based on all that external stuff. All right. You ready? This is what we want to do. Let's read 1 through 13, and then we're going to kind of go back and break it apart. And by the time you're gone today, you're going to be able to hear this at least twice. All right. And we know we need to hear it at least twice because there are men in the room and men never hear it the first time. Any ladies know about that? <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's just true. It's just true. All right. Verse number one. Chapter two. My brothers and sisters, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there and sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse number five. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you do dishonor, you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but, adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's one of my favorite phrases in the New Testament. Say that with me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's important, isn't it? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but your word will stand forever. And we just confess that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. So just light up the path with your word this morning, Lord, and help us to have ears to hear, a heart to do, and a feet to walk it all out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I think I got, we, we lost it again, Terry. All right. James 2. It's a serious issue. It's a real serious issue that James is dealing with here. Uh, because sin has come into the world and it's in our hearts and we, we all struggle with it. We've got all insecurities, our desire to exalt ourselves over other people, look better than other people, looking down on other people, our pride and our arrogance, all the wrong ways that we view people. We transgress against one another and we don't treat people the way our father wants us to. That's what James is dealing with. 
He, he's got this statement right here that he says, show no partiality. I think the old King James says, be no respecter of persons, right? You've heard that before? So what in the world is James talking about? This idea of showing no partiality. He's dealing with, with the idea of prejudice. Don't, don't be prejudiced towards people. Or maybe we could say it like this. Don't have favoritism towards one or the other. Stop being prejudiced for some and against others. That's pretty pointed, isn't it? Now you think about it. In this, this day and age, James is writing to, to a bunch of people, mostly who are Hebrews. And they, for generations, have told to, to be cut off from these Gentiles. You don't mess with these Gentiles. You don't worship where these Gentiles worship. You don't eat with them. You don't fool with them. You don't leave them alone. You stay over here separate, holy unto the Lord. And a lot of that's right. But now God's opened up his arms for not just the Jewish people, but he's opened up his arms to the entire world. And he said, come in here, whosoever will, let them come. And Jesus gets ridiculed time and time and time again about this. God has opened up his heart to the whole world. So now we've got people coming to church who, who, who they, they don't have our heritage. They don't, they don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't act like us. They don't think like us. They didn't vote like us. And now it's getting a little scary. Who are these folks? And it's, 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 the church is becoming this mixed mash of people. And he says, I want you to deal with the prejudice that's in your heart. So stop judging. Stop sizing people up based on all their external appearances and all their positions and all their power that you think they have. Stop sizing people up. Jesus would say it like this, do not judge. Doesn't he say that? Don't judge. That doesn't mean to lose all your wisdom, but he's talking about a particular kind of judgment. This, this kind of dreadful thing that we do where we have all these stereotypes and we judge others on all these preconceived notions. Anybody got this problem besides me? <laughs> Our lack of maturity in the things of God and the way God sees people causes us to size people up in these dreadful ways. Now you think about this. Think about all the ways we size people up. You know, we, we, we can look at somebody and think about how they're rich and poor. Or rich or poor. Right? Don't we do that? I'm reminded of all the stories of like Sam Walton. Remember Sam Walton, the guy who founded Walmart and all that kind of stuff? You know, they, they said he drove an old beat-up pickup for 40 years. Wore, wore the same clothes from the time he was poor to the time he got rich, and you would look at Sam Walton and you wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. But skin color, isn't that a big deal? That's a real big deal. That's a real big deal. Now, I've had to address all these issues in my life, especially in this, this new generation. I've had to address all these kind of things because being from a place like Memphis, it, it's really, really difficult at times not to judge people based on skin color, white or black. But you know what I found out? I found out sorry comes in all skin colors, and I found out good comes in all skin colors. Do you find that out? So... so it, no, he's dealing strictly with economics right here, but it kind of opens up all the issues that we deal with today. The skin color. Now, what about accent? Do people judge you by your accent? I mean, if somebody comes in with a British accent, man, they're automatically smart and they're just wonderful, right? I mean, I, when I buy my, uh, my audio books and stuff like that, I love it when the, the, the narrator has a British accent. Don't you like that? 
There's just something about that kind of deal. It's just good. Not too thick, you know, not, 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 not way, it gets mumbled, but just right, you know. How many times have, have see, I lived up north. I, I, I went above the Mason-Dixon line for about three years. Y'all know where the Mason-Dixon line is? Mm-hmm. I, I went up there. Uh, one, one old boy, when I went and moved up there, he said, we're sending you up as a spy. This thing ain't over yet. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> But I lived in Columbus, Ohio for about three, two, two years or so, something like that. But I can't tell you how many people when I would, when I would just speak. So I don't even have an accent. I don't even know what they're talking about. But I would, I would go to the store and they would talk. I, I remember one time my, my, my wife, had, she was there. We were in the store. It's a big, huge department store, kind of like Walmart, but it's a different name. Myers is what it was called. I was in, in that store. And this lady, cashier lady, she just said, can you just keep talking to me? It just sounds so wonderful. And I, I'm just talking and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and she says, I think I want to take you home with me. And, and my wife said, oh, hey, hey, hey. She come walking up about that time. No, 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 this ain't going to happen. <laughs> but then the other thing happens as well. People with, with the accent, they immediately assess me and think I'm a podunk. I don't wear shoes. I walk in the mud barefooted everywhere I go. And I don't have a lick of sense. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some of that might be true, you know. <laughs> well, that's right. But, you know, the skinny, overweight thing. We judge people by coming in. We don't know anything about their story. We don't know anything about their health struggles. All that kind of stuff. But we just judge them. Don't we do that? And how about the tattoo thing? The tattoo or not the tattoo? That is the question. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the most asked questions. Can you, can believers wear tattoos? You know, there's that passage in Leviticus that talks about not having tattoos, especially for the dead. You know, not, not doing that kind of thing. We've got all this kind of stuff going on. All this. And I tell you what, if you're old like me, a lot of these things like the tattoo and the hair color and all the other stuff that's going on in the new generation, it really challenges you. Don't act like I'm alone in this. Don't leave me up here stranded. Y'all know what some of this is. And, and hey, hey, some of y'all got them. That's your business. You can have it. But you know what? If somebody walks in here with all these tattoos on them, and I just saw somebody with something this morning. But they, they, we instantly, it's a good person or a bad person. They're rough and tough or something wrong. with Something different about them. Or, or maybe, they, maybe we go the opposite. That's just, that's just cool. They must be a wonderful person. You know what I'm talking about? It's just all external stuff. We judge it all on the externals, right? And what about this hair color stuff today? You know, we got people all over the place with cotton color, cotton candy colored hair, everywhere. Uh-uh. And my daughter has challenged me to the hilt on all this stuff. I mean, just kids will bring, kids will challenge everything you believe about life and goodness, <laughs> won't they? They will push the envelope. And so I, I went to visit Lily, and her hair wasn't the same color as it was the last time I saw her. And I, I'm not talking about blonde and brunette. They don't even do that anymore. It's all different colors. They got, I mean, they done, they done opened up the whole R.G., Roy G. Biv thing on the hair. <laughs> y'all, know, y'all don't know what Roy G. Biv is, do you? <laughs> the rainbow color. Never mind. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. Somebody's going to send me an email if I keep on talking. But we size them up. Don't know anything about their story. Don't know anything about their heart. Don't know any, but we size them up, don't we? That's just, that's just, unfortunately, that's human nature. It's not the Christian's nature, but that's human nature. We struggle with it. People tall and short, long hair, short hair. You know, when I was growing up, mm-hmm, my daddy was big on that short hair stuff. 
I wanted to have my hair flipping up over my baseball cap and I had the flybacks going. And, you know, when I got, you crew cut me, I can't do flybacks. You know what I'm saying? But daddy didn't believe in all that. High and tight. Anybody know about high and tight? Mm-hmm. Above the ears. There wasn't even no question. Grandpapa took me to get a haircut. Daddy took me to get a haircut. And, they, you know, I had white walls. <laughs> Y'all know about the white walls above the ears, you know, that kind of thing. And these ears, they, they're kind of big. Well, they stick out anyway. <laughs> I hated it. But, you know, we, we just judge people. And if a guy walked in, you know, with long hair, he, he sized up immediately back in my day now. You know, don't know anything about the guy. But we got, we, we, we got his life story playing over in our mind about how crazy and wild he is. Don't know anything about him. But it, it, isn't that true? Isn't that happen? Mm-hmm. Then we got the clothes, the car, the house. All the stuff that we were, the shoes, the purses now. Lord, I was down, down in Fairhope. We saw, what's this, Louis Vuitton? Is that what it is? The LV, the Louis Vuitton purse? We walked in a shop over there, and um, I, I, I choked. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I just choked. I walked over there, it was this rack of purses. Some of them were pretty nice and all that kind of stuff. I walked over there, and it said $2,800 for a purse. I was like, what, Louis Vuitton? Y'all got a Chinese brand of that deal? Yeah, I mean that was it was pretty wild. I was like, "What in the world?" But you know, people get those kind of things, and just because it's it's a status symbol, or maybe the watch that you wear is a status symbol, or or, or the jewelry, or something like that. We we, we and, and we size people up accordingly. You know, James talks about that in chapter two. But you know, the house, somebody's driving a particular kind of car, and it, you know, as as a young person, I, I wanted that particular kind of car because that that made me feel like I was somebody. But I didn't realize it just made me somebody who was in debt. <laughs> You know what I mean? I wish I had all the money back I spent on cars that I thought were cool. Lord, I, you know what I'm saying? And the house. Ah, oh, that's a, man, that's a beautiful house. They, they must really be successful. They must really have a good life. We just size people up on that kind of thing. Probably just means they got a big payment. That's probably what that means. Now, Without even knowing, again, say it this way, without even knowing someone or knowing their story, we judge folks to the good or to the bad. Here, here, let me set you free a little bit. It's okay not to have an opinion about somebody. Especially somebody you don't know. It really is okay. And most of the time we don't have enough of their story in hand or knowledge about them to even have an opinion. So set yourself free, and if somebody says, what do you think? You say, well, I ain't thinking at all. I ain't thinking nothing. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even have an opinion. Well, that'll, I know, that don't, you, you don't have a good conversation after that, but, you know. <laughs> it's okay not to have an opinion about people. In fact, that might be the wise place to live, not just, I don't know. I don't know. You get, got it? So now, think of this. Think of this idea. If that person, whoever we're judging for whatever reason, whatever level, whatever thing we're doing with them, whatever that category might be, we're pigeonholing them in, good or bad. If that person is an unbeliever, Christ died for them. And if that person is a believer, Christ lives in them. And you know what? 
I found out about Jesus. He likes to live in all kinds of houses of all different colors and all different shapes and all different sizes and all different expressions. He, he likes variety. He likes things that don't look normal. Look at somebody beside you and you'll figure that out. He likes things that are different. He likes people that are different. Hmm. In fact, if somebody comes in here on any given Sunday wearing the same thing, it's odd. He likes different. We like different. It's going to be that way, right? Now, here's some scriptures that will help us out. Colossians 3.11. Y'all getting quiet on me, ain't you? See, this is the kind of sermon the preacher gets fired over right here. This is the kind of stuff. <laughs> but you got to say it. You got to say it. It's in the Bible. It's something we have to address in our hearts because the, the outreach that we're wanting to do into the world, into our community, it all depends on how we react and interact with things like this, truths like this. All right, Colossians 3.11. Listen to what he's saying right here. Where there is, this is talking about the kingdom. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised. That was a big issue in that day. Barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. I want to bring your attention to two words right there. The barbarian. That's one word right there. These are all kind of dealing with theology, circumcised, uncircumcised, Jew, Gentile kind of thing. Greek Jew. But this barbarian, you know, that's somebody that's just way different than you. That's what they called them. They, they, they were barbaric. They didn't speak the same language. They had different customs and, and habits and, and things that they did as families and things like that. They, they, were, they were foreigners. And then you got this thrown in here, the Scythian. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but in Bible days, when Paul was writing to the, to the a church at Colossae, in Bible days, the Scythians were the wild folks. They were, they, that, that word literally means savage. They were the people who, if you looked at them, they were extremely different than we would be. But these people were coming to Christ. And guess what? Christ was receiving them. And he said, the kingdom looks like this. All kinds of folks. Some of them may look like you. Some of them may look way different than you. You know what I found out about a mark of maturity in people? How you treat people that are different than you shows the level of maturity you have in Christ. Now, we don't have to agree with them. We, we, we don't have to accept everything that they believe or every lifestyle that they have. But how you treat folks that are Scythians, that's going to be real important to your future in God. That's what James is dealing with. All right. Now, another scripture. Second Corinthians 5.16. Now, this is a real familiar area of Scripture. We'll, we'll speak on that in a minute. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, the very first part of 16 says this. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That external stuff. We, we, we don't size people up like that. You want to wear what you want to wear? You want to bling it out? Go for it. You want to be plain Jane, dressed like me, wear black pants and khakis and stuff like that? Go for it. It don't matter. You want to do something with your hair? Go for it. You want to do something with whatever you want to do? You, that, that's your business. We don't eat. See, the best thing, you know, the best thing we can do is not even pay attention to stuff. We, we don't regard people according to the flesh. We don't size them up. And you find out, old, old saying is, beauty is only skin deep anyway. 
Where's the true beauty of a person? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met a person that is, I mean, there are men and women that are just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, they, they come in and you're like, whoa. I know some of y'all think y'all that. <laughs> anyway, I ain't going to name no names. Anyway, some of you fellas, I'm, I'll leave you ladies alone. But, but that, that, old, that old thing about beauty, skin deep, you ever, you ever met somebody that's just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, and then they started talking, and the more they talked, the uglier they got. And, the, and the, the converse is true, too. You ever met somebody that, that may not be that attractive? Maybe, maybe there are things that have, have uh, you know, just shifted around in them, and they're just not that attractive. But when you get to know them, and they get to talking to you, and you interact with them, they are just absolutely beautiful people. You ever met people like that? Samuel gets a lesson right here. First Samuel 16. Now this is at the anointing of David. Remember, we're, we're, Samuel's looking at all the brothers lined up, all the sons of Jesse. He's looking at them all lined up right there. And he sees the, the, the best looking one and he's the, the biggest one and he looks like a king. And Samuel says, that, that, that's got to be the king. Come here, son. God said, no, 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 no. He goes right down through the line. None of them. None of them are there. And God teaches the prophet Samuel a lesson that we have got to grasp. He says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have refused him. Now here's the lesson. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? The heart. Now, I, for one, am glad that's a true statement, aren't you? Because sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, Lord, that can't be right. <laughs> Get up in the morning, you sleep hard and have a bad day, and you, you wake up and you're like, Lord, that, that can't be right. That, that can't be accurate. I, I don't look that bad, do I? You know. And I'm glad, so I'm glad God doesn't judge us. See, he's teaching Samuel, look, don't stop looking at them like this. See, that's how Saul was chosen. Saul was head and shoulders. He's a big old dude. Head and shoulders. He was a great warrior. But when I'm choosing a man or I'm choosing a woman, I don't look at what's on the outside. I look at their character and what's on the inside. That's important, isn't it? So, Lord, give us new eyes. Because we, we, we got to see past some things in order to see the real thing. Does that make sense to you? Yes, Pastor, it makes perfect sense. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about the example of Jesus. Just a couple quick, quick stories as we get through this. Je- Jesus dealt with some folks with some economic status that wasn't preferable, per se. Remember the time he was at the temple and he was standing right there by the offering plate? I mean, they, they, they had this little box or something of that nature where they, it was kind of brassy looking thing. And they would take all their coins and they would cling it into this little brassy trumpeted type treasury box, I guess. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. And, and they would drop their coins in and you could hear it clinging. So, you know, you got some of these rich guys coming in. They got a treasure chest full of stuff and it's like... It sounds like it dude gave a lot of money. You know what I'm talking about? And here's Jesus. He's just leaning up against the wall right there by that box. Watching everybody give their money. 
Wouldn't that be something? Jay, we need to get him here next time we take up offering. <laughs> and here comes this little lady. Little old lady, she's, she's a widow lady. She comes, she's, she's struggling to get up there, and she drops, ding, ding, just two little old pennies. Mites is what the Bible calls them. It's like a third of a penny. Ding, ding. Nobody was impressed. Nobody turned their head. They were like, well, thank you. <laughs> you did the best you could. She said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop the show here. Stop this deal. She gave more than anybody. And the disciples were like, what kind of calculator are you using, Jesus? What, what are we going to do with that kind of money? Jesus teaches them a valuable lesson. He said, I don't, I mean, paraphrasing. I, I, I'm not concerned about the amount that somebody gives. All these people gave more and they got more. But she gave out of her poverty. What in the see, see, Jesus doesn't look at the amount somebody gives. He looks at the heart when somebody gives. Now that's a whole different ballgame right there, ain't it? So Jesus honored, now this, this is the point about economic status. Jesus honored this poor woman above all these rich people. He just honored her. <clears throat> then you got Nicodemus. You got these two stories in John. John 3 is his conversation with Nicodemus, who is a man of power and wealth in, in Jerusalem. He, he's, he's, a, he's one of the movers and shakers in Jerusalem, no doubt about it. You got Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And then in John chapter 4, you've got this woman at the well. Who couldn't be no, she's an absolute total opposite of Nicodemus. She's on the lower stratum of everything. She's been married five times in and out of marriages. And the, the, the dude she's living with right now, she's shacking up with him. They're not even married. Jesus calls her on all this. What, what, what in the world? I don't, I don't have time to tell all those stories, but thank you girls for singing that story. That's, that's a wonderful story. What, what in the world? Why would, John take two stories of a man who was of the elite class and a woman who was absolutely an outcast and put those two stories together and Jesus interacts with both of them, leads them both into salvation. We believe Nicodemus came, came to Christ later on. Leads them both, gives them the gospel, gives Nicodemus who's this rich man and gives this woman who's a poor lady. Did Jesus come for both? So it's not just a gospel for the poor people, although the poor people may even have an easier chance of receiving it because the hope that's offered. It's harder for a rich man to come in. Jesus said that, right? Because it's hard for him to let go. But this economic status is not even in God's kingdom. Jesus came for both, the rich and the poor. Hmm. Now what about racial status? Jesus had some stories about racial status. There were a lot, you know, people talk about racism today. There were a lot more racial issues in those days than there ever was today in America, I can promise you. Remember Jesus had a story? Remember at the time he was sent to disciples, said, let's go to the other side. Storm came up. Then here comes Jesus walking on water. Remember that story right there? He said, let's go to the other side. What was the other side of the Sea of Galilee? What was on the other side? See, they lived here. The other side of the sea was where the Gentiles lived. And when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, it's like, it's like somebody in Memphis saying that's the other side of the tracks. You know what the other side of the tracks is? Yeah, it's, it's not a good place. It's a difficult place. 
And Jesus looked at them and said, let's go to the other side. And they, all their life they've been told, don't go to the other side. Don't, you know what? They couldn't even look over that way. And if they stepped foot on Gentile soil into a Gentile city, they had to d- spend seven days away from the synagogue and get themselves clean and pure again. And here Jesus, our leader, is saying, let's go over to the other side. I got some business to do. Other side? What's wrong with you? My mama's going to get me good, boy. She's been telling me not to go. I can't even look up the other side. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And he gets over there, and that's where he encounters that man who lived in the graveyard. And he set him free. Now, this man wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was not only just a Gentile, he was a crazed Gentile. Demon-possessed Gentile, chained up at the graveyard Gentile, barking at the moon Gentile, walking around naked when he ought to have some clothes on Gentile. You understand what I'm talking about? And Jesus, regardless of his racial status, regardless of his skin color, regardless of his genealogy, where he came from and who he was and who he was partnered with, regardless of any of that, Jesus reaches out and he rescues that man and saves him. Crossing that racial barrier. Then you got the Samaritan woman again. She wasn't of the same race, ethnicity. Economic status was different. Her gender was different. Jesus broke through all those barriers. See, because it's for God so loved the people from Alabama. Is that what it says? For God so loved the Americans. That ain't what it says. For God so loved the Jewish people. Is that what it says? No, for God so loved the whole world. Isn't that what it says? And then Jesus would later tell him, go into the world. Go to all these ethnic groups. Make disciples. Blowing all these racial boundaries apart. Now, you ever thought about what heaven's going to be like? There's a phrase in Revelation that describes the people in heaven. It says there's this vast multitude and it says... There are people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. You know what heaven's going to look like? There's a little song we used to sing in children's church. Remember this little song with Sunday school and all that? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children. Y'all know the song? Remember that one? You know, heaven's going to be real colorful. There are going to be Africans there. There are going to be Alabamians there. There might be a couple people from Tennessee there. <laughs> there are going to be people from Russia there. There are going to be people from the Middle East there. There are going to be people from Afghanistan there. There are going to be people from South America and Brazil. There are going to be people from Mexico. There are going to be people from the United States of America. Every nation, tribe, and tongue is going to be represented right there. And heaven's going to be a colorful, colorful, wonderful place. And our Father's going to be happy when he gets all his diverse children in the same place. It's going to be a good place. You know, I often think every nation, tribe, and tongue. I wonder if people of different ethnicities are still going to speak their languages in heaven. To highlight that, that diversity. Oh, they're still going to have their same skin tone in heaven. Because it'd be awful if we all looked alike. That'd be just like one of them bad cult movies or something. What do you think about that? The only one in heaven that's going to look like you is you. <laughs> Everybody else is going to be different. 
You know what I'm talking about? You get the point. And then Jesus even reached out to the hated, I mean the traitors, the traitors of his day. We've taken some time through the last couple of years talking about Matthew the tax collector. I mean, he took Matthew the tax collector and turned him into Matthew the apostle. Now, that's, that's, that doesn't mean much to us, but in those days, tax collectors were the most despised people on the planet. They, the, the rabbi said that they could not be saved. They had gone too far. They were working for the great Satan now, and they had gone too far. And Jesus said, I, I can forgive even that sin. And then you got this story about Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? The wee little man, the wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the Lord said, Zacchaeus. Y'all, this is a little song. We learned this in Sunday school. I hope you went to Sunday school. You come down for I'm going to your house today. I'm going to you. Remember that? Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. I mean, tax collector. I mean, you know what? When the IRS starts getting saved, it's revival. I mean, it's for real revival. It would be nice if some of them got saved. In fact, he, he got saved. He got so saved. He, he said, I'm going to give away all the money. I'm going to give half my money away. And if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give them four times what I wronged them. Now, that's, that IRS dude got saved for real. They start giving you back money. Now, what, what's all, and Jesus took a lot of flack. He was called a friend of sinners. But he didn't care. Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He, he didn't, Jesus didn't see the Samaritan woman who was on number six. He saw the woman. You understand? Jesus didn't see Nicodemus, the high and mighty powerful God, it was in Jerusalem, and maybe if I get in good with him, maybe he can write my ticket and I can get to the council and I can talk to all the guys and, and Jesus can, and Nicodemus can help me out a little bit. Jesus didn't see Nicodemus like that. Jesus saw Nicodemus. Does that make sense to you? So this is all that partiality stuff. Jesus was able to see through the veil of what anybody would put up as a smoke screen or something they would hide behind as, a, as, as, as some kind of a projection of who they are. Jesus would see right through it. Whether it be good or bad, he'd see right through and see the heart. You think he can do that same thing to us? All right, let's, let's wrap it up with this, this idea. So, so this no partiality, no prejudice is a command from Holy Scripture. It's a command. So we're, we're going to have to do some work, and it's going to be constant work, because there are going to be a lot of things that challenge us, and different is always scary to us. And we're going to have to get it out. This is one of the sins of the saints. There ain't no doubt about it. He, he says this in verse number four. It's an interesting statement he says. He says, you have become judges with evil thoughts. It's not good. Hmm. So we, we need our faith in Christ to follow in Jesus' footsteps to help us be saved from these destructive behaviors. Hmm. So James gives this illustration. A rich man and a poor man come to church. Sound like a joke, don't it? A rich man and a poor man come to church. And the rich man, it's obvious he's rich. He's got the rings on. The rings that were not just symbols of wealth, they probably were symbols of prestige and power. Signet rings and things like that. It's obvious he's somebody important, somebody wealthy. 
And James says, I heard that y'all were like, oh, man, you come up here and you sit on the front. You, you, how, about, how about you sit up here on the platform with me? Gave him an honored position, an honored seat in the house. And then the poor man comes in, and it's obvious he's poor. He, 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 he doesn't dress clean. Things are not in place. He's not well primped up. Might not even smell like he ought to be here. He said, then you tell that poor man, now you, you sit back over there, or you, you just stay right over in this area. You, you Step aside, please. He said, you sinned. You did wrong. Hmm. Now this passage became real, real in a church with my dad. We had, we had a boom in church. It was several hundred people. Just kind of exploded. Five, six, seven hundred people, something like that. It had just exploded. And we were doing some, some outreach ministry. We bought a couple buses and things like that. And we were going and busting people in from all over we got a, had a connection with with a, a couple homeless shelters in the, in the area in memphis and there's a, there's a lot of different places like that around and we were we were busting people in we had people coming in and, and we would do something like on like the first sunday every every uh sunday we would feed them all we would have people who were hairdressers we would have them cut their hair the ladies would give the ladies manicures and do all this kind of thing and uh, we would just get all kinds of things that were that they, they weren't accustomed to and we'd take good care of them we probably had several you know about a hundred people coming in those couple buses that we had every week they would come to church and in that one sunday we would do all that stuff for them. it was a good ministry it was really changing changing the church changing it in some ways that were very challenging to people so there was a meeting that was called. You can kind of imagine how this meeting's going to go. Leadership meeting. We've got to talk to you, Pastor. There's some trouble going on. Hmm. Meeting went to meeting to meeting. Then there was a congregational meeting. And the lady who was the head of the ministry, she was there as well. She was a sweet lady. Wonderful heart. Somebody stood up and said... I don't like these people coming. They're different than us. The other Sunday, somebody sat beside my daughter. I didn't like it. I, I just don't think it's right. I tell you what we do. Let's just let them keep coming. But why can't we just section out a little two, three, four rows right there in the middle and they can just all sit right there? Sounded logical. Sounded good, except to that lady. That lady come unglued in that meeting. And she, she, she pulled a scripture. Oh, my Jesus. And guess which scripture she pulled? This one right here. She said, no, this is sin. I will not allow you to sin against these people because they're poor. My poor dad, he's just trying to solve a problem and trying to help people. It, it was a rough, rough time. Take me out to dinner and I'll tell you the rest of the story later. <laughs> My wife's out of town. <laughs> That's bad to preach begging, ain't it? But anyway. Long story short. 
We lost homeless ministry. We sit against those people. I sit and call them those people, see? It's a problem. It's been a grief in Daddy and I's heart since it happened. You know what I'm talking about. It happened just like that. Now, do you need parameters and rules? Sure. But we sinned against those people. Sinned against them. Happened just that quick. And we lost the favor of God in that direction. Hmm. So three reasons not to do this. And we're done. The first reason he says is a question, actually. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? He said, you're going to dishonor them and God's the one that's honored them. Are you serious? Now, see, see, I think he's getting that with this statement. Remember he's talking about these poor folks? He says, rich in faith. He says, you're looking at them all wrong. You're looking at them according to their economics. God looked right in their heart and said, these people are rich in me. I learned this lesson when I went to Honduras. Well, went to Honduras and to Turkey. Learned that lesson a lot. I, I guess it's the, 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 the time in, in Turkey that really got me. I mean, people living poor. I mean, poor, un- unbelievable things. I, I, I just never even thought about. Very poor. And they put on, I was with them for about a week. They put on the dog for me. I mean, they fed me like a king. And I, I asked my buddy who's, who was from that village that where I was in Turkey. I said, what in the world? These people are so poor, but they have absolutely got the best of everything out on the table. He said, yeah, what you don't know is for the next six months, they won't eat meat at all because they're feeding it all to you this week. And I said, man, they, they can't do that. I said, just stop. I'll, I'll, I'll eat the little rice patties rolled up in the, the, in the turnip green leaves. That's fine. I, I can just eat that. He said, no, if you say anything about it, they will be 100% shamed and dishonored and you'll have to leave. These people are honoring you. And these people, didn't, we'd say like this from where I'm at, they didn't have two nickels to rub together. But they done killed the goat and the sheep for me to feed me. And so what I came across was people that didn't have much, but they were rich in faith. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus looked at that guy who had a bunch, built barns and bigger barns kind of thing, to keep all he had, and he said, you're a fool. He said, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. Then he starts talking about be rich towards God. God looks at wealth a little bit different, doesn't he? Then there'd be something. We can't impress God with wealth. You can't impress God with how much money you got. Peter looked at a guy who thought he had some money and, and the guy trying to get some power and all that kind of stuff and he said, your money and you perish. Kind of reminds me of a story one time. This fellow was, we were building a building. We didn't, it was a big building. A lot of money. Rich man was in the church. But he was kind of one of them arrogant rich guys. 
you know, there's some really great people with money that are just humble and they serve God, and that's, that's wonderful. But this guy wasn't that guy. He, he, he had money he'd like to throw it around. And he hadn't been long at our church, and he, he was going to pay for, it was almost like half of the million and a half dollar project. He was going to pay for like about half of it. He and I got sideways on something. He brought it up. It wasn't nothing there. And he started calling me every name in the book and all this kind of stuff. So I got the elders up and went to his house. Said, we got to solve this, man. You got to calm down. Something ain't right. And he said, he looked at me. I mean, I got six of my elders there and I'm in his living room. And he says, how dare you tell me to stop now he was calling me names he's talking to people about me and i said we're not gonna have this kind of strife in our church now. we're not gonna have it i don't know where you come from he said but we i said we don't do these kind of things around here we're family and we're gonna stay together if you got to be for me that's fine we'll talk it out but you ain't allowed to split the family and i said in case you don't know it you don't have anybody on your side you might want to just chill this out it was just a whole long deal anyway he looked at me in that meeting in his living room he said you know how much money you got I got, he said, you know, I could pay for that building that you want to build. Lord have mercy. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. And I said, sir, we don't need a red cent you got. In fact, if you've put any money in it right now, I will go back to the office, write you a check and reimburse you. I don't want any of your money in that building. You hear me. And I said, I'm going to stop short of where Peter said, you and your money perish. Well, what happened? <laughs> Somebody who had riches, but they weren't rich towards God. And you know how many churches are controlled by people like that? Anyway, that's a little side note. I See, I tell you, all these things come to mind when I preach. Y'all, y'all don't appreciate how short they are. Because <laughs> I don't even say half of what comes. Thank God. <laughs> the second reason. Believers are to live according to a different standard. He, he throws out this phrase, the royal law. Verse 8. Believers live by the royal law. What was the royal law? Do you remember that? We were reading through. This is a while back ago now we were reading through that, wasn't it? Do you remember that? It's the law of the kingdom of God. It's a law, a decree that's handed down from the king himself. And it's this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the way this kingdom operates. You hear me? So that's reason number two, to to stop all this. And he said, if you do this, if you learn to live by loving your neighbor, you do well. That's going to be good. It's going to be good for them. It's going to be good for you. I'll pour my blessing out upon that. And here's the deal. I'm more than willing to love my neighbor as long as I can choose my neighbor. (laughs) But there's a story, another story. See, a story leads to a story to a story. There's a story about this Samaritan, that good Samaritan. Remember that guy who was a neighbor to the guy who was way different than him. Different nationality, different everything. Believers live by the royal law. See, there's lots of talk today about equality, Equity, you get all those things and nobody even knows what they mean. Racism, there's all these talk about racism, sexism. 
And the human answers that come to solve these societal problems are absolutely laughable sometimes. It's insanity. In fact, so, so to keep people from being racist, we're going to teach people to be racist. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Isn't that, isn't that crazy? So Jesus has a, we need God's help in all that. Jesus has a better idea. He said, I got an idea that will work. I promise you it will work to heal your community, to heal your business place. It'll heal your family. It'll heal your church. He, he said, I got two great ideas for you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor the way you want to be loved. James says, all this problem we're having with sizing people up, if we just love people the way we want to be loved. So now what, I mean, isn't that how you want to be loved? You just want to be accepted for who you are, not for what you can give, what you can do, what you contribute. That's all shallow water. And the last and the thing that makes us choke right here, the third and last reason not to do this, not to be prejudiced towards people, not sizing people up. Verse 12, I speak to you, so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Did you get all that? Point in case, basic bullet down. Realize that you and I will be judged by God concerning the way we treat other people. Even us believers. You hear that? I mean, that, that, that'll make you choke. Now you're like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the people you live with, the people up in the house, the people that really get on your nerves and really try you. Uh, you know them people. And that's the people outside in the community. That's the people in the church. We are going to be held accountable for how we judge. That's what James says. I want you to understand that you're going to be held accountable and judged by this law of liberty. See, what's the law of liberty? I, here's the best way I understand it when it comes to things like this. The law of liberty is that Christ has come into our lives as believers and set us free and given us the freedom to choose the right thing. And if we choose the right thing, we'll be rewarded. If we choose not because we've been given liberty, if we choose to go the wrong way, he'll have another answer for us. But you're free. But as you're free, don't forget you're also accountable. Isn't that important? And there's my favorite saying. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So become more merciful to people. You don't like to be pigeonholed and misunderstood, misrepresented, mischaracterized, misspoken about. You don't like all that. So be merciful to other people. That's what James says. It's a better way to do life. We're good? Sure, we're good. Wonderful, right? Absolutely wonderful. So James says, stop this and love one another the way God wants us to. Amen.